that was the first hour. I really appreciate everybody who has jumped into the chat. All the people who were on that first panel, definitely all worth following over on Twitter or X or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. But we got a new panel coming on right now. We got Dave McDonald here from Friends with Fantasy Benefits. We got the doctor himself, Mike Carter, here from Fantrax. And from within the building, making his podcasting debut Tyler London, how are you guys doing today? I really appreciate you guys making the time. How has your trade deadline been so far? It's going great. I took the day off work. Don't want to miss any closer ads if they come up. Excited for my Dodgers to see if, uh, you know, they deal uh, for Verlander. You know, I hope they keep Bobby Miller. Don't want to see him go, but i um, been hearing some smoke on Sheehan and some other prospects. So been following that closely. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, I thought, you know, the trade I predicted yesterday, I don't think it's going to happen anymore, was Josh Hader uh, maybe going to the Dodgers. I thought they would try and shore up the back end of that pen a little bit. But now it looks like with the acquisition of Rich Hill, they're going to probably be standing pat. Uh, Dave, thank you for joining us again, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, so first things first, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're coming through loud and clear. Okay, okay, good, because this is this is my jank setup on a, on a laptop, so I... Uh, Computer's still not working, so I'm trying to make it work. I really want to get on with you today. I woke up early, tried everything. Still couldn't get my uh, desktop working, so I'm glad you can hear me because I was a little concerned about that. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to leave Joe in the in, a, in the lurch here. But, uh, yeah, glad you can hear me. A little bit uh, a little bit nervous for the Guardians today. Um, kind of – it's like nobody wants to win the AL Central. Like everybody – you know, the Twins are rumored to be sellers. The Guardians are kind of – they're selling, but they're buying. Like, I loved the Manzardo trade, but where does that leave us with our playoff hopes without Savali, who was our best pitcher at the time, without Bieber and uh, McKenzie here? And uh, I don't know. I, I want to wait and see what the full picture is at 6 p.m. because I feel like there's still more moves coming. Um, and I, I'm hoping that we can at least do some things to, to stay in the race here because, I mean, we're like a half a game out of first. So it would be crazy to not even go for it at all. I think you guys fleeced the Rays. Although, hell, there's a lot of trades. I loved it. Yeah. There's a lot of trades with Tampa Bay. You know, look a couple of years ago, we saw Grady's for Austin Meadows. And there's a, there's a, that's the first one that comes to mind. But you'll see these trades and you'll go initially, what the hell is Tampa thinking? And then, you know, within a few months, it's like, what was the other side thinking? That's uh, that's my biggest concern. Anytime the Rays are involved in a trade, we've been fleeced by them before. I mean, you know, Yandy Diaz, Junior Comanero was a Guardians prospect, by the way. Uh, we traded him for Tobias Myers, who we then unceremoniously uh, DFA'd about two weeks later. So I'm definitely nervous, but um, I am really big on Manzardo. So I'm hoping that this is different. He's had a bit of a down year, but I saw a report that his mother apparently has some kind of yeah. serious, serious illness. So his yeah. attention is obviously divided. If you look back on the minor league track record, he looks like he's a stud. Uh, I think it was Eric Cross who said he still sees him as a potential top 10 guy overall. Uh, for All the prospect guys. Still very high on him, so I'm I'm yeah. still hoping that he's okay. But yeah, I mean that would affect any of us, right? I mean, oh, you know, your yeah. mom's dying. We're not robots, you know. Oh no, uh, but I left the good doctor waiting here too long. Mike, how the hell are you doing, man? Listen, you guys got nothing to complain about compared to me, okay? <laughs> I'm I'm, on too. I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing the the uh, the shirt that my daughter told me that I should wear today. She's <laughs> she's aware that it's trade deadline. She's not exactly sure what that means. She doesn't exactly care. And she told me that I needed to wear the dead inside t-shirt because that's exactly what the White Sox are. They're dead. And they make me feel dead inside. And I've been trying to coach a 12-year-old, almost 13-year-old now, on um, how it is to be a fan of a team that stinks. 
And uh, he's learned a lot in the last two years about, uh, you know, following a team that's not very good. I was also told this, Joe, you might find this interesting with your ongoing celebrity status on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it now. My daughter referred to me today as I dropped her off at the mall to buy makeup with my money, even though she has a job. She referred to me as, are you guys ready for this? Dave, you'll like this. A micro internet niche celebrity. (laughs) I have no idea what it means. It sounds good. I might add it to my Twitter bio at some point. But yeah, Joe, hey, great to be here with you guys. It's always good to be on with Dave. Tyler, welcome to the fray here. Uh, Great to have you on. Um, Looking forward to talking some baseball this hour. Yeah, Tyler, um, great, great to talk with you again, Mike. We just had you on a couple weeks ago. If you guys missed that show uh, with Greg Jewett, you would have been in on Gregory Santos earlier on if you had uh, followed along with that show because Mike and Greg are two of the absolute best. But Tyler, you're making your podcasting uh, debut here. You've come on uh, in the last year with us here at Sports Ethos. You've done great work over on Twitter. You've done great work putting out articles. How does it feel to be behind the mic? feels good. Yeah. Uh, big part of my next step is connecting with people and getting online, getting on some podcasts and stuff and just meeting all the people in the industry. Seems like a great brotherhood, you know, bunch of great women in it too. Um, So yeah. So it's great to get out here and just talk baseball. And, you know, since I've gotten in this industry, it's just fun to see other like-minded individuals and really see all that content that you guys are putting out. Uh, You know, I follow Dave, I follow Mike, follow you and, you know, consulting with you guys on moves and stuff like that. And just really sharing knowledge to, to the accessibility of Twitter and all the impressions that you can get. It's a good way to get your thoughts out and just trying to win leagues, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, you've done a great job. Uh, I want to give everybody here before we really get into the meat and potatoes, just a chance to let everybody listening know where you can find their work. So let's start with you up in the top right there, Dave, where can we find uh, all your great work? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> haven't uh, been able to do the podcast for a few weeks, although I guess, uh, I guess maybe now I can, um, but the last time I, I tried with Justin, uh, on my laptop, it did not go very well. So I, I'm glad that you guys can hear me clearly now, but, uh, when we tried it last time, it didn't work. So maybe we'll, we'll give it a go for next week. Cause I was trying to wait until I got my computer fixed, but, uh, yeah, so you can find me on friends of Fan- fantasy benefits with, uh, Justin Mason. And then, um, I had been updating the two starts and, uh, and, uh, hitters streamers for every week on rotosource.com. Um, that's really all I've been doing lately. So, uh, that and trying to win my leagues, which is the number one focus right now. How are the leagues going so far this year for you? Um, well, other than Glarf, where, uh, where Mike is wiping the floor with me this year, (laughs) um, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, but, um, yeah, Glarf is just one of those teams where, I've just been snake bitten. Everybody I draft gets hurt. Uh, I mean, I'm still waiting for Max Fried to come back. He's finally back this week, so maybe uh, maybe that'll help a little bit. But it's it's not it's not going to win me the league. Um, you know, first year I won, second year I came three days away from winning again. But then this year I'm like second last place. So, um, but I'm very happy for my guys because uh, we're still in first place in Earth and uh, loving loving that. I'm all about just Clarf winning every year. So. Uh, win for our charities and everything, but overall, you know, Fantrax, Yahoo, NFBC, I'm doing well. Um, I still need to have a strong summer here to close it out. You know, you never want to count any chickens before they hatch, but, uh, but yeah, still, still doing good. Yeah. It's been a, an interesting year for sure. Uh, a couple of my teams are doing well. A couple of them are terrible. My, my earth league team, uh, I'm first year in the surf league, the Canadian, uh, fantasy, the Canadian roto fantasy. However, I forgot the acronym Canadian 
or I for, actually forget now. I should know this, uh, but I'm fighting for last place in the overall. Uh, a very stiff competition there to try and get down to the bottom of the overall standings. Uh, it's been a tough year there for sure. But Mike, you're having a good year in the Earth League. Tell us about uh, your leagues. Tell us about how you're doing, and tell us about uh, all the great work you got. Well, uh, you know, thanks to, thanks for having me, Joe. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, similar to Tyler, I took the afternoon off of work so that I could uh, be on pods and and look at the trade deadline and stuff like that. Just total geek, 50-year-old man stuff like I do all the time. Um, long story short, kind of similar to what Dave's saying, you know, I have some leagues where I'm, um, I've been pretty competitive and, and look like I'll be able to finish in the money, which would be great. Uh, Glarf has been a better show for me this year. Um, uh, I learned a lot. I know uh, Dave always gets shy, which is not his MO when I give him a lot of credit for my growth in Glarf the last few years. Um, I've learned a lot from uh, watching better players than me play. And so I've been pretty consistent in Glarf between fourth and sixth, fourth and seventh, kind of going back and forth there. So I'm I'm happy to be in it, treading water a little bit. The, the judge injury really hurt me, um, and there was really no way that I could work around that in my mind. I'm sure that Dave would have had a better solution than what I did. But long story short, um, pretty good. I'm doing pretty well. I'm in six fan tracks leagues as well. I'm in one that is pure relievers, which is a lot of fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, a little bit insane. You know, the, the depth of that and bidding on Gregory Santos at two o'clock in the morning is kind of crazy, right? But um, that's what it takes, you know. That's what it takes to be a good player, and, and I'm all in on doing that. Um, my home leagues, I'm doing well in, as I expected. And uh, I'm working at Fantrax, as you know. I, I do the uh, weekly bullpen report for them that comes out usually on Saturday mornings. I uh, have a lot to talk about there this weekend, for sure. And I also write more narrative pieces for Nine Any Know-It-All and um, – also hosts the Fantasy Baseball Beat podcast with uh, Chris Torres, uh, who apparently is watching right now, which is a little terrifying to me as well, and probably going to critique my performance as he always does <laughs> when we are done. So <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. And, I, and I, I've, I've, of course, I'm well known for having the worst Twitter handle uh, ever invented at MDRC0508. That's where you can find me and all my prattlings on the daily uh, junk that's going on around me. It's well, Mike, just remember, sorry, real quick, just remember in Glarf last year, Sarah was like eight points out of first place last year going into the final day, and she won. So all you need to do is just keep yourself in it, and uh, you can make that jump at the end. Eight points yeah. on the last day of the season? Yeah, yeah. I was um, I was winning with three days left, and then I think Jenny, I had, but I had no money left, and that was my downfall, and I couldn't get any pitching. And we had that weird half week to end the season. So mm-hmm. all the pitchers that I had were going in the second half of the week, oh. which didn't happen. So I had no pitching and I got passed in all the pitching points by Jenny and Sarah. And Sarah was down seven and a half or eight points going into the final day. And she jumped me and Jenny from third place to first on the last day. It was yeah, incredible. She, she got a win from Yusei Kikuchi on the last game of, yeah. of the day on Sunday to, to put it away. It was crazy. It was unreal. <laughs> that is crazy. That's the that's the nature of fantasy, right? You never really know. And like you said earlier, you can't count. Never those, stop fighting. Never. Cannot count those chickens. Uh, but Tyler, tell us all about the work that you put together between your tweets, your articles, and tell us about some of your teams this year and how you've done. Uh, how's your fantasy season looking so far? Yeah, of course. Well, I'm in six leagues. Uh, I, I did one of the fan tracks leagues for the first time before I was just mainly playing on Yahoo. Um, so having that five outfielder set up, uh, corner infielder, middle infielder has really expanded my knowledge of the game and, you know, really looking at the cut line and which other players move into that. Um, I did two uh, second half redrafts. Uh, I took Matt McLean at 65 and I felt pretty good about that. 
Wow. I know his BABIP's pretty high, but I think it correlates well with Great American Ballpark. So really high on him next year. I mean, I don't think he'll hit Bo Bichette levels, but, you know, I really like the upside. Um, yeah, so out of my six leagues, I'm in first in one of them. Uh, I'm sitting in the playoffs and all the head-to-head leagues. My home Roto League, uh, my buddy who runs the back big account is in first place. And I'm all, like six, seven points behind him, and then I can cut it to four. And then he does his spreadsheets and makes the moves. And it's like, just can't quite get there to catch him. But, um, you know, I added Grayson Rodriguez, and I'm really excited for a second half for him right now. Uh, and yeah, my work, I, I kind of have like a daily ad account where I'm posting a lot of players right on the cut line, looking at last seven, last 14 days, like Brandon Lowe, I think he has four or five home runs in the last two weeks, the back's looking good. Um, so really just, you know, trying to get out content um, for the masses, you know, and then also I like to do some deep league, um, you know, roster percentage increase looks and, you know, I'll go on fan tracks and, you know, look at the hot ads there. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about today and, you know, all the potential closer work. Uh, you know, I write a bullpen call article for ethos looking at, you know, hot ads. And I really like looking at non-closing relievers too. Like Andres Munoz would, was, you know, tough hold in standard leagues if you really are like pining for saves. But I really think guys like that have value uh, in standard five cat pitching leagues because the ratios and K rates are really there. Those ancillary Ks are really fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Royals do today. I've stashed Carlos Hernandez in a lot of spots, hedged, you know, if Barlow was dropped too. So, you know, I, I, by Roto League, I want at least four closers. So I have uh, Hernandez and Barlow waiting to cut one, depending on what happens today. And um, yeah, Colin Holderman, I, I think it's a long shot. Bedner gets traded unless they get like a really good return. Um, but, you know, I've, I've stashed him in a couple spots too. So we'll see what happens there. Now the thing, uh, it's interesting because Barlow, I want him to stay selfishly because if he gets traded i don't see him closing anywhere else there's a couple of leagues where i mean christ uh, he's pretty much the only guy i have left trying to just compete for maybe you know five six seven roto points i don't have any aspirations of you know winning the category uh with barlow as one of my stronger guys in a couple of leagues but if he gets traded i'm, I'm pretty screwed there the thing that really interested me is you said you did a redraft or second half redraft and matt mcclain went 65 that I, i'm not sure where he's going to settle in next year but that I don't know, it feels off the top of my head maybe a touch high, but at the same time, hell, if he keeps doing what he's doing in that lineup, you know, five-category production. Yeah, five-category contributors are so valuable. I, I never argue when they go in the top three rounds. I feel like people thought Corbin Carroll going in the third round was too high this year. I thought it was too low. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that Matt McLean is Corbin Carroll, don't get me wrong, but I, I think similar – like he's, he's like a Corbin Carroll light in some aspects, and I, I think being in Cincinnati – uh, really gives him that upside. I mean, you look at how many guys have kind of come out of nowhere, like Spencer Steer, you know, the power that he's shown this year. If you're in Cincinnati, you're going to hit some balls out of the park. So um, also just to go back to what Tyler was saying about uh, Andres Munez, and you guys are talking about him in the in the first part of the show. Oh, God, don't bring that guy in. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I will say I do think that the job might be shared in Seattle. I still think that Munoz is a great ad, don't get me wrong. I do think the Topa is probably going to get a fair amount of the saves there as well. If you're looking at their usage over the last couple of weeks, um, even in some off save times when uh, Sewell wasn't getting the saves, it was sometimes Topa, sometimes Munoz. I think Munoz only has two or three saves right now. So um, I, I do think that that – I don't think he's like the sole closer. So I wouldn't go totally overboard. Like I would still take Clay Holmes over him unless unless the Yankees add a closer, but I don't see that happening. 
no, I don't really see that happening either. Justin, what is going on, man? You just saw Dave and wanted to one of the gears. <laughs> I'm a little bored, so you know, like I, I I'm going to be on multiple live streams today, including yours at the uh, the four o'clock Eastern hour. Uh, but uh, I don't have anything to do until then, so it's either go take a nap or uh, you know just come on or come annoy us, you guys. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> No, it's great to have you. It has kind of been a boring day so far in terms of the moves. There's been nothing like Paul DeYoung to my Blue Jays, who I'm not terribly excited about. I'm hoping we don't have to ever have to see him start a game at shortstop for the Blue Jays. But I mean, is that scaring you as a Blue Jays fan? Because does that mean that Bichette is more hurt than maybe we would like? I Well, here's the thing. I don't think DeYoung would signal that. I, I said this before, too, but I think that they were targeting Tim Anderson before the bow injury. So I think that they were looking to add a middle infielder regardless. And I don't think that DeYoung, I think he's a seat warmer. Like he's not some superstar that like if Bo is okay, they're going to be like, Oh no, we added this guy for nothing. Like they didn't, I don't think they gave up much to get him. And I don't, I, I think he's just a, I think he's more of a backup plan. I, I mean, I don't know the injury. I was, I was listening to Dr. Morris talk about it. He's like, it could be one of three things. Basically, could be a day-to-day injury if it's a sprain, if it's, you know, a meniscal tear, it could be three, six weeks with surgery, or, you know, it could be something season ending, but he mm-hmm. didn't think it was the latter. So could be day-to-day, it could be a couple weeks, but it doesn't sound like it's necessarily his season's done, which from the looks of it at first, that was my initial thought was, oh God, he might be done mm-hmm. for the year. Yeah, ACL gone, MCL, whatever yeah. it was. It looked right. like you know those non-contact knee injuries that you see like from running backs or you know you see in the NFL more often. Well, it's there's a lot of it. there's a lot of rumor in Chicago right now about TA too that the Sox are really not inclined to move him, um, which which kind of leads me to believe you know he's he's very affordable next year. I think his contract is only fourteen million dollars next year, and with Colson Montgomery getting promoted to Double A and the Sox really seeming to think that he can play shortstop, although. Many people seem to be torn on that. There's a there's a large contingent here that thinks that Tim, Tim Anderson could be the White Sox second baseman next year as opposed to their shortstop. I don't know that I agree with that. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing around here. I think that that's what the Blue Jays were interested in him was more as a second base option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to displace Bo, I don't think. Bo's actually kind of settled down defensively. That was the thing for the last couple of years that I always thought, you know, when he was first coming up that he should be more of a second base type because, you know, he would have 25, 30 errors a season. But he seems to be getting uh, getting a grip on the defense a little bit. So if Anderson were to come to Toronto, I don't really see it happening at this point. But, yeah, he'd play second. I guess it depends on what happens with Bo. Because if Bo's hurt, maybe they do go for Anderson. Maybe he does play short down the stretch. I don't know. It's not a move I want to see the Blue Jays make. But maybe Anderson with that home run the other night, maybe he's, you know, snapping out of it a little bit. I've been holding on in, I think it's DGFBI. He's in one of my leagues where I just – He's a guy you can't really cut in a 15-teamer. I mean, maybe some people did, but I find that, you know, there's not that many options. Maybe, I don't know, if you guys were rostering Anderson, if you had him at all this year, did you guys cut him in your 15s? I have him in, like, all my leagues. <laughs> I, st- I still have him. Um, he was so good before he went down, and then that injury clearly changed him. But it's – you never know when it's just going to click in again. And uh, unless there was, like, a legit guy that I knew I could rely on, like if I got, like, a Matt McClain type guy. But, you know, you have to have the money to do that, and I never have the money to do that. So, <laughs> for me, I just – there was never anybody who I felt comfortable 
dropping him for in a 15 in 12s i did drop him though mm-hmm. yeah sure. in a 12 i could see that 10s and 12s but in my nfbc leagues i have them in two i think that's just been really tricky to actually let go because of the potential for you know what we know tim anderson potentially can be he can be a 300 hitter he can give you some home runs some good amount of steals uh, has not come to fruition this year, though. Not you know what, Joe, Joe, I would add to that. This my, my dad once gave me a really good piece of advice that I'll share with this group here, and I, I think is quite humorous and, and appropriate for the Tim Anderson conversation. <laughs> my dad once told me when I was about 15, he said, Mike, you can take both of your hands like this, and you can wish in one hand, and you can shit in the other, and see which <laughs> one fills up faster. Um, I, I don't think... Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think TA is on the comeback trail, I, and I think it's more. And, and uh, some of it was the knee injury, and I think he was really trying to play through that. But a lot of it too, he's got a lot of off-field issues, which we won't go into here. I mean, I want to respect him as a human being, but he's got a ton of things going on off the field that would distract anybody. Um, I, I think that that's a larger play in this. I I almost wish that the Sox would trade him to give him a clean start somewhere else because uh, I love him as a player. When he was when he was really engaged, man, he was something to watch. I don't know what the return would even be at this point for Tim Anderson. Yeah, like, what, you'd what be they selling low. Yeah, you'd be selling low. You'd be selling very low, yeah. Have you guys seen any rumors or anything? It seems like it's been dead for an hour now since the Paul DeYoung trade. I just keep refreshing Jeff Passan and different people's feeds, and there's really been nothing, You know, a little bit of speculation here and there. But do you guys have the feeling like I do that there's something big cooking up in the works? I feel I like think, I think there's a Verlander trade that's probably going to happen at some point. That'd be my guess in terms of like the biggest – remaining trade i think the problem is with the increase of the amount of playoff teams there are uh and so many teams just kind of hanging around that you know those wild card spots there just aren't as many sellers this year as Mm -hmm. there's been in years past uh you know we thought the padres were going to be sellers and that blake snell and josh Hader would be on the move uh it appears they're buyers and so like even teams like that that are you know fairly far out at least you know with multiple teams to jump i mean the padres are fourth in their division um they're looking to buy the cubs we thought the cubs for sure would be sellers they're looking to buy like uh and so i think that the limited amount of teams left that can actually sell uh kind of makes this a a quieter market that being said i'm sure like the last hour last two hours of today are going to be crazy. I mean, Kansas Remember how many people. trades went down after the trade deadline was over? We found out about the Iglesias trade. There was like mm-hmm. three huge trades that went down after 6 o'clock. Well, I mean, they went down before, but we didn't hear about them until after 6 o'clock. Um, so I think, I think we're going to have something similar to that where we're going to have at least one or two big trades, I think, come down to the wire. Um, I am seeing that the Twins are look, checking in on like Teoscar and, and Ty France in Seattle. I we know Tommy Pham's going to get moved. It's just a matter of for who. It, it's going to happen. Um, the, like he didn't even go with them to the next city. They were so confident that he was going to be traded. So, wow. um, I mean, Lorenzen and Erod. I'm thinking they're going to get moved. Um, and uh, I, I know that the Guardians are trying to make some moves still. So I'm hoping they make some some good new moves that help them still contend this year. I'm also curious with the Padres. Do you guys think it's a possibility? that they can still contend and trade hater. I mean, I don't think they need hater to contend. I mean, obviously he helps, but maybe they can get someone else who helps them as well while also kind of protecting them from getting nothing for him. Do you guys see that as a possibility or do you think that, uh, that they're definitely holding him? 
I absolutely see it as a possibility because, and I'm hopeful because in Glarf I picked up Robert Swarbrick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I got my fingers crossed on that one, but I I think that the market for uh, getting a guy like Hater, who's arguably the best closer in the game, arguably I'm not saying he necessarily is, uh, somebody might really drastically overpay who thinks that they're in it, and I I think like Atlanta what, maybe. Yeah, I think what Justin's saying is right on, right? Like you've got all these teams that are mm-hmm. on the cusp of uh, of the playoff hunt. Personally, I think if you're on the cusp, you should probably bow out in this mm-hmm. market. And and my and I mean, I love Sarah Sanchez to death, as we all do, but the Cubs aren't going anywhere. They don't have a team that's going to be able to contend for a World Series. Why on earth they wouldn't be trying to move a guy like Bellinger unless they're signing him to an extension? Uh, doesn't make any sense to me. The same thing with the White Sox. I think another name that that is probably a 50-50 chance of getting moved right now is Dylan Cease. The White Sox do not sign pitchers to long-term contracts. We all know that. He has two years of team control left. Somebody may overpay for him that thinks that they're close. Um, the White Sox have done, in the last week, have tried to really rebuild their farm system, which had been you know, in the lower five of, of MLB pretty consistently. And with the moves that they made last week, arguably moved up into the top 12, top 15, by getting three or four guys that they think are going to be pretty good prospects, you know? So I think the White Sox are foolish to think that they can just retool this thing and um, compete next year. I'm all for looking at a market for cease because to me, if you came to, if you came to it, this is a question for the group. If you could get cease or you could get Verlander, who do you go for? You know, Verlander's obviously got the experience, but cease has got a much younger arm with fewer miles on it too. I don't know. Tyler, yeah. we haven't heard from you in a while. What What are your thoughts, Justin? You got something there, quick? I was I was just gonna say, and I think you know the report that came out earlier is that a lot of teams were kind of balking at the idea of the vesting option for Verlander, and so I think that uh, a lot of teams are a little bit scared of you know obviously his age and then him vesting that option and having to go a third year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this situation here? Yeah, what- I feel like Verlander, the the Mets want, you know, whoever's going to take him to eat a lot of that contract. And I think, you know, for like example, the Dodgers, the Shohei Specter, um, or a big free agent signing that's going to cost, you know, 400, 500 million. It's a lot of money to tie up. Um, I'm not sure how much Cease's contract is right now, but, you know, his walk rate is kind of scary. And, uh, you know, Verlander in the playoffs in October is a proven commodity. And, um, a team like the Dodgers pairing him with Kershaw, you know, they're sort of limiting Kershaw's innings every year and get a guy like Verlander in there would be good. Um, but, it, you know, if they're not going to pay all that money, they're going to have to get some good young capital back no matter what team is sending. So, you know, you're not just going to get him for the cheap for a couple, you know, not blue chip prospects or, you know, almost blue chip prospects if you're not going to pay all that money. So I think that's a big factor. If you can get seized and not have to pay out that much money, I think he's good. But, you know, Cease's underlying stats, you know, specifically his, uh, you know, walk percentage is alarming. He's a great K guy. Uh, he can miss some bats. And I think in a right rotation, he'd be uh, really good. Um, and yeah, just going back real quick to uh, Dave's Munoz comment, like I looked it up. He, Pitched a third of an inning last night, got a strikeout and a hold in the eighth. Uh, it wasn't like a safe situation type setup, but that bullpen's really interesting for me with Topa, as Dave mentioned. And I, I really think Matt Brash gets a bump because I think, uh, you know, he misses a lot of bats. He's, I think he has 17 strikeouts his last 11 innings and he's not walking as many people. And I feel like their trust and faith in him may have correlated with feeling okay with Sewell getting out of there, uh, you know, another high K rate ready. So Brash is a guy that I'm adding a lot, especially if I'm maxed out on pitcher slots in leagues where there's some starting pitching uh, 
you know, slots in there because he has that starting pitching eligibility. So yeah, Brash is one of like the guys that I'm really excited on for the rest of the year because his issue has always been those ratios and mm-hmm. he's having like a really solid stretch right now. And uh, those ancillary Ks uh, really rack up if you have innings limit or start limits in Roto or, you know, even a weekly head to head. He's got, yeah, he got I the Verlander though, between yeah. the two guys for the original question. Yeah, Brash got the win last night, and we know that uh, Scott Service is not afraid to use anybody in that bullpen at any time, especially that upper tier, the upper tier guys. You know, um, they've got kind of a, a split there between the haves and the have-nots. After you get through Spire, they they don't like a lot of the younger guys that they have there. It seems like, but yeah, it's a great great point on great point on Brash. I think that Seattle is a really tough bullpen. Although I did hedge, like like Dave was saying, I I did grab Munoz a couple of weeks ago in anticipation that the Mariners were not going to get hot and that they would move Seawald in the right move, which they did. Matt Brash is like a prototypical closer. If you look at his numbers, if you look at the strikeout walk rate, like I could see him. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's with Seattle, but being uh, a major league closer, no, no problem there. Uh, I think, you know, with terms of him and Munoz, I think it should be Munoz pretty consistently. Maybe Brash gets the odd opportunity. And maybe there are times when, you know, somebody pointed out to me yesterday, if they're facing the Blue Jays and it's, you know, two, three, and four in the order, and it's Bichette and it's Guerrero and it's, you know, whoever's batting fourth that day, if it's Belt or Chapman or whatever, then maybe if that's the eighth inning, they go to Munoz and then go to somebody else in the ninth. I think it should still be Munoz pretty consistently. But to touch on the whole Josh Hader thing that we talked about a few minutes ago, if they trade Josh Hader and they still want to genuinely compete this year, is Robert Suarez really a guy that they can trust in the ninth inning of playoff games? You know, you got a guy like Mike mentioned, arguably the best reliever in baseball, probably the best left-handed reliever. Is it really make sense to trade him for, you know, whatever you're going to get a couple prospects if you are trying to compete this year? If they're throwing in the towel this year, that's fine. The acquisition of Rich Hill would kind of, you know, suggest that they're going for it to some degree. Not that Rich Hill is going to, you know, move the needle that much, just more starting pitching depth. I just don't know if trading Hater really makes sense at this point. You guys think that that's a legitimate possibility? I, I thought not. yesterday, no. but not anymore. No, they're not. They're not. They're not trading Hater. Because um, here's the problem: like, if they're gonna, tr- if they're gonna trade Hater, they're gonna do it straight up for a player that can help them win now yeah uh you know preller is you know put together this really great team that has completely underperformed really the last few years um and his mo is to sell uh, uh to sell prospects at the deadline to get their team better so if he's gonna sell hater it's going to be for you know a weakness on their major league squad where's the weakness on their major league squad it's either right. in the rotation uh, you know, the back end of the rotation, which I don't even know that that's necessarily a weakness once they get Michael Walker back, or it's in the bullpen. So why are you going to sell a bullpen piece to get another bullpen piece or a bullpen piece to get, uh, you know, an arm? And what team right now is selling an arm that is majorly ready for a bullpen piece? There isn't one. So I don't think Hater gets moved, which is a huge bummer for me because I did think that last weekend when I picked up Robert Suarez in a bunch of places, but things change really fast. I think Hater stays on uh, uh, on San Diego, and uh, and they just go for it. I think I still lean that they're gonna they're gonna keep him, but I I disagree that it's like a guarantee. I I still think like they paid Robert Suarez five. They signed him to a five year, forty six million dollar contract. So to answer your question, they absolutely believe that he is that guy. Like he is he is the guy that they're gonna go to after Hater. I just don't think. In most situations, any bullpen piece is a guy that you need to win. Like, especially considering how far they still have to go to contend. 
Um, I mean, I do think they're going to go all out and go for it and hold on to Snell. I just I'm not as convinced as you are that that, that it's a certainty. They can also use an upgrade at first base. If we're being honest, um, Cronenworth is is not not great. I'm not saying he's terrible. They, but... they just added G Man Joy. Like they're G-Man. doing that's true. That's like, true. Yeah, I didn't think about uh, that. So I, I I think I think they're just going to stay put. They might Probably. add some more bull, small bullpen pieces. Um, but I, I think this is it for the Padres. Like they've got enough talent that they should compete. So I think they do. They do. I think the they want to backdoor their way back into the playoffs like they did last year. Yeah, I always wonder with these types of things. You know, one of the things that I think about in my moments of insomnia, which are you know, as you get older, become hot you know, more and more. Right? Is is there any one team that can really look at it and say, you know, we're one guy away, we're one Josh Hader away, we're one Verlander away from being the best team? in the whole tournament. What, what do we know? We know you get in and it's a crapshoot, right? Like anybody can beat anybody once you're in, not that it always happens, but you know, to your point, anything can happen. And there are teams that are 500 that think that they're a, you know, a world series contender at this point. Right. So I think if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, we're going to give you these three pieces that are major league ready for hater. And to your point, Justin, you know, the San Diego doesn't really look at, you don't look at their roster and see a glaring need for, for anything at this point, um, at least in their starting lineup, you know, unless somebody blows you away, you're keeping them. Now, that being said, when I was mentioning Dylan Cease before, I just got an update on trade rumors that said that the White Sox are listening very closely on Cease, but that the one guy they will not trade is Robert. Robert, you guys might have heard over the weekend that there was some talk that Philadelphia was kicking the tires on him and uh, willing to trade Abel and Crawford for him, which I personally don't think is enough. Um, prospect guys would probably tell me that I'm wrong, but uh, Robert is a guy that they can build around. He's, he's very controllable. He's got a six year, $50 million contract. They don't want to mess with that. He's a superstar. Um, They don't want to mess with that, but they're listening on seats, which is, which intrigues me because I, they're going nowhere If this team thinks that they're going to win again next year, they're, they're not, I mean, even in a very winnable AL central, you know, the guardians and the twins will continue to be, the class of that division, if you want to call it class in quotes, um, <laughs> you know, and kind of go from there. But it, it's it's always an interesting thing to think about. You know, I just think about that. I was trying it over the weekend and thinking about Hader and what, looking at a landing spot for him. Like, who's going to overpay for Josh Hader? Maybe nobody. And maybe he just ends up staying in San Diego and they, they're all in and they're trying to go for it. I really thought the Dodgers might potentially go for it. Just, I don't know. I don't know how much I trust the back end of their pen necessarily. I thought they couldn't. It wouldn't hurt for them to add uh, another lefty back there. I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Though. I think hard to hard to trade in your division, though. Like that's yeah. like like to like to have such high hopes as the Padres did to then trade them to the team. You know, what sixty miles up north that yeah. you that you were supposed to be competing with for the division. That's a hard sell. Like that's that's a really really hard sell. I mean, if if there's any team that could have made this deal for hater it, it should have been the Rays. like the Rays, like you know add to that bullpen uh you know give those you know the kind of weak starters uh you know a little bit more length from the bullpen aspect of things that would have been a really really smart move but jays have also i was i was waiting for justin yeah. to be done oh, talking no. I, was just the same thing. Oh. I just i just saw that too but i told you guys like the young is a seat warmer i didn't think that i i figured the bow wouldn't be out that long 
But to go from Boba Shet to Connor Falefa, that's like I'm going to be drinking this afternoon if that's the case. I mean, <laughs> Joe, you're going to be drinking anyway. Who are you kidding? <laughs> I, I, my God, I don't hate Connor Falefa like a lot of people do, but that's a serious. Maybe that problem. maybe that is a sign though that it's a couple week injury. Because I mean, if this was a it's end of the season type injury, I think they'd be looking for something bigger, uh, you know, than a guy like Kiner Falefa or a guy like Paul DeYoung. Like, I just, I mean, I yeah. blanked. We already covered this, much. Justin. You weren't listening. Yeah. <laughs> I did hear this morning, uh, Blake Murphy was talking on, on Toronto radio, Blake Murphy, who I believe formerly was with Fangraphs back in the day. Um, he was talking yeah. about how if the Bo Bichette injury is more serious than maybe they're going to let on publicly today, we'll find out not through an injury report, but just the lack of additions the Jays will make throughout the day. Not a sell. They're not going to be a team that sells off assets, but if they just stand essentially pat, I know you know DeYoung is, is whatever. He's essentially just a warm body to fill in there. Uh, like they've kind of been saying, not even as somebody that you're going to see in the lineup every day. That might be an indication that the injury might be more serious and the Jays are going to throw in the towel, kind of soft throw in the towel this year. Not to say they're going to sell, but if they don't make any big moves, then you might think, well, shit, if Boba Shett's injured, there's no point pushing the chips in the middle, you know, trading prospects, trading Tiedemann and Barger, Martinez, whoever, uh, to try and compete this year if it is going to be, you know, Bo's out for the season or whatever it is, or out for the next two months, whatever it happens to be. So, I think the Jays will tell us with their moves how serious the Bichette injury is before we might even hear, uh, you know, a report about an MRI or whatever. I think that's how they'll tell us. In that John Heyman tweet, he finishes the tweet off with, Bichette is not expected to be out too long. That's what we just said. Are are we trusting Heyman? Are we trusting Heyman at this point? I mean, I trust nobody. (laughs) Until I actually see, like, deals announced, like I, I trust absolutely nobody at this time of year. I trust nobody uh, during uh, free agency. So, yeah, we'll see. That is, it is that is a good it is a good policy. To never trust team, especially like management on teams when they talk about injured players or the players themselves because they don't know shit. So uh, always always assume they're lying. But I do think that if it were a season ending injury, I don't think I think that they've ruled that out. I think they've ruled out anything that's going to be longer than maybe a couple of weeks so we'll see if it's if it's a day-to-day thing or maybe a week or two or something like that dave funnel made an interesting point this morning when i was talking to him as i do every day your canadian uh, brethren there joe uh <laughs> we're both up writing at four o'clock in the morning right so like long story short he said though that the the blue jays don't have an update uh, announcement until after six tonight so they're purposely not letting anyone know before the deadline because they don't yeah. want to get held hostage yes. right so Interesting. Sure, they announced as a Bichette injury the price on the Youngs and and kind of full up. I mean, we know there's an injury, but they announced you know season-ending injury. Uh, you're just adding another prospect probably into that mix at this point. Now, Heyman also said that the Orioles are looking for a starting pitcher, like we mentioned earlier. You know, Verlander or Cease. I think that was a really Tigers. interesting question. Tigers. Tigers. I think yeah. Tigers. Erod Lorenzen has to go. Lorenzen has to go. There was a report earlier today that both Erod and uh, Lorenzen are expected to be moved prior yeah. to the deadline. So I, I mean, would expect. You, it. I I think that 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 kind of matchup between the Orioles, who have just a ton of often young offensive talent, yeah, um, that they can move it's a uh, good fit. You know, for a Tigers team that has tried to add young offensive talent but hasn't quite worked out super well, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. 
I think Alex Lang could potentially be attached to one of those trades too. If a team wants to shore up their pen, I'm not sure the Tigers. You shut your mouth, Joe. No, he's not going to work. I think. What do you guys think of uh, the Savali Manzardo trade? I know you guys were talking about it. I think a little bit on the the last uh, segment of this, but I actually like it for the Rays. I know Manzardo. I think is you know one of the top two, three uh, first base prospects. Um, but but I think Savale is somewhat underrated. I, I saw you know Sarah tweet something out about his uh, curve plus today, and you know his curve spin rates ninety six percentile stat cast. Uh, his fastball spin rates good, um, good walk percentage. Um, I, I don't. I think two years ago he had that hot stretch in the beginning where he had those sub three whip, uh, sub three ERA and good whip. And I really think um, you know they didn't trust Taj Bradley. He got sent down, and I like it in a win now approach. Um, you know. I know the Rays have gotten away a lot with trading some prospects that didn't pan out. I do believe in Manzardo. I think he's really good, but you know, first base only is uh, you know kind of blocked for them somewhat too. So yeah. um, thought it was an interesting trade. Um, you know, a lot of people have different thoughts on it, but yeah, just interested to hear what you guys think. I think they overpaid, but I also have the caveat of the Rays know things that nobody else knows. I don't know what information they have access to, but they always seem to be a step ahead of everybody. That being said, Aaron Savali this season has pitched to a 2.34 ERA. He has a 4.57 xFIP. He has a 4.68 Sierra. He's striking out less than 20% of batters. His walk rate is still good at 7.2%, but it's the highest it's ever been for him. Uh, you know, there's a couple things that worry me. He's stranding a lot of base runners, 82%. The BABIP is really low at, at 2.42. It's like everything has gone right for him this season, and it's a perfect real life sell high trade, I think. Uh, for the Guardians to get rid of him now. Now, Manzardo, we mentioned this earlier as well, he's a blue-chip prospect. He's going to be a stud. Now, this year, the numbers, the triple slash line does not look good, but he also has you know, uh, an illness in his family. I believe it's his mother has been mm-hmm. sick, so his attention is distracted. So uh, you know, all of those factors together, I think that you know, uh, Cleveland did very well in this trade. I think Savali is, at best, the number four starter in that rotation. Uh, Jeff Erickson made the point in the first hour that you know the Rays are always losing pitchers. They go down like flies, it seems like, every week they lose a pitcher. So maybe Savali is a number two, a number three. Uh, but you know, if that rotation is fully healthy, Savali doesn't even crack it. And I think this year he's really overperformed. So I think that the Rays might be playing with fire a little bit here, giving up on Manzardo. But then again... What the hell do we know? The Rays always seem to be a step ahead of us, but I'm interested to see what you guys think. I went on for a while there. Well, that's that's my only concern is the Rays aspect of it because I, like I said, we've been fleeced by them before with with Yandy Diaz and and Junior Camonero. Um, But I loved the trade because as much as I like Savali, he's simply not an ace. He has probably the best curveball in baseball. He doesn't have anything else though. He like that is what he relies on, um, and it can only get you so far. Another thing to consider, he's been up with Cleveland since 2019. The most things he's ever thrown is 124. He cannot stay healthy. So mm-hmm. what are you doing, Justin? Verlander the Astros. Oh, all right. Official? Wow. Confirmed? Did they get Hunter Brown like the, like Matt what? Williams was hoping for? It, yeah, it is per Bob Nightingale. So. Oh, God. Oh, it didn't oh, happen. God. It didn't happen then. We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah, but... so that's uh, – <laughs> let's, let's, let's not consider that news just yet, but uh, – Good God. Yeah. That, that is line, the report that just hit my phone. So yeah, no, I, I like, I like the Manzardo uh, return for Savali. I don't think – I think that Savali is – it's fine for the Rays because he's going to help them uh, get to the playoffs and everything. I don't think he's going to be a huge boon for them in the playoffs, honestly. Like, I just – he's the kind of guy who gets lit up by good offenses. Like, he's been doing well 
you know, against the the White Sox, sorry, Mike, um, teams like that. But, you know, legit offenses are going to hit Savali pretty hard. God, I'll be interested to see what Verlander looks like in an Astros jersey. It'll be uh, cool to see those jersey swaps. But I don't know what the Mets – I mean, I guess they're just saying, you know, the towel's being thrown in. The older guys that we're not sure about even for next year might as well get something for them. I'm interested to see what the return is. If it's Hunter Brown, that's a hell of a return. No, it, it, won't, be, it won't be from – It shouldn't it be. It, my, my guess is it's going to be a lighter return than we expect, but maybe mm-hmm. the Mets aren't eating money. Yeah, they don't uh, care about eating money. Uncle Steve doesn't care about money. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, the the problem is the Astros just they don't have any top hundred prospects. So mm-hmm. like, like what are they getting back uh, as opposed to just getting out out of that money? So um, unless it's like you know a uh, it, maybe the Astros were the only ones who really wanted Verlander's contract, so uh, or willing to take Verlander's contract. So I'll be really interested to see what the return is. But that that shores up one or frees up one, you know, kind of cog. So now maybe, you know, we can see the Lorenzins and the Erods uh, get moved. And Jack Flaherty probably needs to be moved. Passan just tweeted that the uh, Verlander deal is done. Yeah, that's the stamp of approval we need here to make it official once once Passan tweets it out. Uh, Drew Gilbert is being mentioned in the chat here. I guess he's a likely – I think he's their highest-ranked prospect – not that he is, you know, a, a top tier prospect necessarily. I think he's like in the seventies, eighties overall. Uh, but he's likely going to be in the return. You'd have to think. Um, yeah, I haven't seen uh, any tweets with a return. I've only seen like a million people no, reporting the yet. trade, but not nothing on the return yet. So, you guys don't think that there's a potential for Hunter Brown to be there? Maybe even just like a one for one swap with Hunter Brown? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade Hunter Brown for Justin Verlander. I don't know if they would. No, I, I, you, you, you don't like try to add by subtracting like that. I just, I yeah. can't, Im- I, I can't imagine that Hunter Brown, uh, Gilbert, maybe. Yeah, I think Gilbert. You know, he, uh, he's a borderline top fifty, top hundred guys. So, I, I guess I need to retract. I don't have any top hundred guys. So probably him, maybe some lower end prospects and you know stuff like that so uh, uncle steve was a commodities trader by day right so that was his original job and so he just views players as commodities he he's not in love with anybody it's just money to him he doesn't care 43 million dollars to him is nothing and um I, I don't think that he'll mind eating some of that to be able to get a player back you know we saw with scherzer that he was able to eat some to get uh acuna back there for them um i think he'll do whatever he has to do to try to build that team back into contention as quickly as possible Plus, he can always throw more money around next offseason. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that's correct. what you want. It. That's what you want in an owner, though. Honestly. Absolutely, I, you don't I, want I, them to fall in love with guys and make you know personal based decisions. You want them to tr- treat players as commodities, build the best team possible, and be willing to throw your money around. That's. I mean, I, I wish we had an owner like that. Do you guys mean to tell me that the White Sox made a mistake in hiring the bench coach from the last place team in the division to be their manager? Is that what you're trying to say here? <laughs> Let's just be clear, guys. So the never mind. I'm yeah. dead. In, I'm dead I, inside, guys. I'm and, dead. And, and somehow it was still an upgrade from last year. <laughs> right. That's for sure. That's for sure. Whatever the return is here, whatever Houston paid, can we argue that this is really stupid of them to reacquire somebody they let walk a few months back and give away prospects when, if they had you know ponied up a little more money a few months back, maybe they wouldn't be trading these prospects? Or do you think he was going to be gone in, in free agency regardless? That's a good question. I mean, um, I, 
hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. But giving up whoever it'll be at this point is more than they would have had to give up if they had just re-signed him, you know? So I just wonder what the price is, how steep it's going to be. I mean, it's obviously, you know, proven as recently as last year that Verlander and Houston in the playoffs is a good recipe. And they got Verlander, Valdez, Javier, and Hunter Brown now as their, you know, four guys that they'll go through, uh, that they'll go to likely in the postseason. And then they got J.P. France, Jose Urquidy. I'm just thinking, you know, if they're kicking themselves right now for not, you know, pushing a little bit harder maybe to sign them in the offseason. But like you said, Justin, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. They, I have no idea. they also didn't think they'd be trailing the Rangers in the division at this point of the season. So, like, uh, I think that, you know, sometimes uh, urgency kind of, you know, is, is the necessity right now. So, you know, they're, they're, they're watching the Rangers add a bunch of pieces uh, and they're already trading, trading, uh, trailing the Rangers by half a game. So, like, you got to do what you got to do, mm-hmm. you know. Two Probably minor leaguers they're getting for uh, Verlander, according to Dave Funnel, and I also saw it on uh, Twitter as well. And between the two trades, messing at 40 50-ish million to spend on Otani next year. Not bad. Not bad. I don't know if he's going to go to New York. Yeah, I don't think he wants to go to New York is the thing. New York's always kind of a wild card in these things. You never know, especially with Cohen's deep pockets. Throw an extra $100 million on there because for him, it's you know peanuts at that point anyway. Um, but the two minor leaguers, I haven't seen actual names, but you have to assume they're maybe Gilbert's one of them and then another lower-level guy. It's funny. It seems like it's taken this trade deadline cycle. Sometimes we'll have a report of a trade. It was the other day now. I can't remember what the hell it was. We were just waiting for the prospects. Who are the prospects to be the return in a trade? And it seems like it's taking kind of longer this year uh, for those names to actually come out. But that's a big one. We got a big trade here. I thought that he was going to go to Baltimore. I thought Baltimore was going to pony up a couple prospects and go after Verlander. Now with Verlander off the market, maybe they go for Erod and Lorenzen. I just don't think that those guys are you know guys that they want to be putting out there in the postseason. This maybe is a team season. that lines up really well with for Dylan Cease, in my opinion, right? Yeah. Because they've got the prospect capital that the White Sox desperately need. And Cease is under control for three years because this is the start of their window. If they if they acquire Cease today, they have him for three postseason runs in the future. And and while he's not, as, as Tyler eloquently pointed out before, we the underlying metrics for Cease are not ace-like. This is got a guy that's a clear upgrade over what they've been throwing out there in a, in a couple of different instances. And they have some good guys. Maybe what they do is they look at it in terms of finding a controllable asset uh, to give up that prospect capital, and Cease would certainly be that. It's kind of I the just, one thing that they're really missing, Baltimore, is that top-end ace. You know, if they get that, then who knows what they can do in that division. Uh, but, tr- you know, trotting out Dean Kramer in his 466 ERA and Kyle Gibson in his 453. Grayson is a work in progress, but he's still got an ERA over six. I think he's a lot better than that, obviously. But Grayson Rodriguez, as of right now, probably starts game one of the postseason for them. Maybe it's Gibson, but either way, that's not a Bradish. Maybe, maybe, maybe Bradish. Bradish has been good. very good. He's yeah. been very good. But then again, these aren't guys that you really want to be relying on if you have an option in the postseason. If there is a cease available at a reasonable price, yeah. You know, I mentioned this earlier. I think it was in the first hour that they have so many prospects that they can't even play them all. You know, Kowser right. and Westberg come up and they sit half the time. Kowser hasn't looked that great. These guys are riding the pine a lot of the time. There's still three or four. Or I don't even know how many great prospects still to come up. Shop them out, ship them out, get cease, get somebody, you know, some ideally somebody with a couple of years of team control, so it's not just a rental. 
Um, but do something, you know. These guys, there's not going to be room for all of them. There's just simply mm-hmm. not going to be room for Hirstad and for Mayo and for Norby and for Kowser and literally everybody. There's going to be, a, you know, I said it in the first hour, they're going to be trotting out a nine-man lineup of guys with less than a year of service time. Right. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen in place of guys like Hayes and Mountcastle. Gunnar Henderson's obviously going to be there. So I, I think that they should just bite the bullet, get an elite arm. Cease is, you know, however you want to use the word elite. He's pretty damn close. He was second in Cy Young voting last year. I know that it kind of fluctuates year in and year out, but go after an impact arm in the postseason. That's what I would do if I were the Baltimore Orioles right now. Well, and Kowser and Westberg would fill huge needs for the White Sox. Um, you know, I know I'm not saying that those are the names that would necessarily be coming back if they made that deal, but someone, someone of that ilk. And I'll throw in a, a Keenan Middleton or a, Aaron Bummer, or you know, Jack Carter has is working currently on developing a, a Vulcan changeup, uh, inspired by the the great Eric Gagne. So Jack is also available. Uh, middle great middle relief help there. We got an Eric Bedard shout out in the first hour, and then Eric Gagne here in the second hour. So I wonder what Canadian pitcher will have shouted out in the next hour. But guys, we are winding down the last couple minutes here, and I do want to give everybody a chance to plug their work and tell everybody who's listening and viewing. Uh, where you can find them. Justin, you were the surprise guest. We'll be popping on again later, but let us know what's going on in your life. Uh, I mean, lots of stuff. I'll let these guys plug themselves. You can follow me on just uh, pretty much every social media platform, Justin Mason, FWFB. My tweet out stuff, and yeah, good. Uh, but I'll be back. I'll be back in an hour. Like, I, I'm going to go yeah. probably take a quick nap here and uh, hope that a bunch of trades happen between now and then. And uh, and I'll, uh, I'll see you uh, again uh, at the uh, 4 o'clock hour. Yeah, you'll be here with Michael Govier and Vlad Sedler. That will be a lot of fun. I think Vlad's going to come in partway through, uh, but we're still going to have a good time there for sure. Like I mentioned earlier with Govier, it's essentially a, a comedy special disguised as a fantasy it, baseball show. If you like me yelling at people because they're a Dodger fan, tune in for the 4 o'clock hour because <laughs> me and Vlad, I'm sure, will yell at each other a bunch. Right. Giants and Dodgers, a little bit of a, a little rivalry there. Uh, Tyler, let's go to you. Uh, your podcast debut here. How does it, how does it feel to be on uh, with a couple of heavyweights here in the industry? I'm not including myself in that. At is, all, that a, is that a fa- is that a fat joke, Joe? <laughs> no, not at all a fat joke. I am I, mean, I am I am a heavyweight. You're right. Yes, yes. Look, the the camera's only showing me neck up here, but if I stood up, the people would flock from the stream here. Um, but I'm, I'm simply referencing the baseball acumen amongst this group. But Tyler, uh, first time you did a great job, man. It was really cool to have you. We'll have to have you back on because uh, it it's good to see your face, man. I, the first time I've seen your face, you've worked for me for a year almost now. Uh, but it's really cool uh, to get you on the podcast. No, yeah, it's great. Like when I started out, I pretty much you know didn't have my name on the Twitter account and was just tweeting. So to go from that last year to being on a podcast, showing my face, and you know getting to know some guys that are really respected in the industry is a lot of fun. Um, it's like been a slow roll growth sort of bottom up uh, with my account and, you know, develop some followers. So, you know, at this point I felt, Hey, this is a great idea. Hop on, get my face out there, you know, got a mic and, you know, you know, I'm looking forward to getting invited on other podcasts. I might even pop back in here for one of the other segments later and yeah, follow me on backpick fantasy. Uh, that's the handle on Twitter and then www.sportsethos.com. I come out with a bullpen call article every week and then a hot out article and a lot of great content there. So, yeah, no, thanks, Joe. It's, it's been great. Uh, very fun time today. Yeah, it's great, man. We're going to have to get you back on. Uh, we got a shout out for Justin Mason in the chat because he is the most popular one here. 
<laughs> make the argument maybe uh the good doctor mike carter he's also got quite a cultural. yeah no, no, I, yeah mike definitely mike De- dave is definitely the most unpopular one <laughs> tyler might be newer in the industry but dave is definitely the most unpopular uh, tyler j- jump into my dms I'll, let me get you on sleeper in the bus doctor. i was gonna say you can always get if you're new in the industry justin will put you on three of his podcasts so yeah. yeah definitely get a hold of him and we'll get you in tgfbi next year because we need to get you into those absolutely uh, industry leagues as well yeah and i'm, I'm thinking of doing the arizona thing in the fall too so oh, definitely yeah. do that do that get that's your a great get your uh, you guys there. put me over with that response yeah, so, yeah. absolutely for sure yeah. it's a lot of fun we were talking I, I about moved it. a disneyland trip that i'm supposed to be going <laughs> on later this year so i can go to first pitch arizona this year so no that's I, dedication that's how committed He's been sleeping on the couch for a month because of it, but it's worth it. It's absolutely yeah. Worth I'm, it. I'm li- living in my office. You can't see <laughs> the beds over there, and yeah. <laughs> uh, great time, always, man. Uh, the good doctor, though, Mike. Let us know uh, all your great work again here before you sign off. Well, like I was, I've said before, I work at Fantrax doing their bullpen piece on a weekly basis. I'm a co-host of uh, the Fantasy Baseball Beat with the intrepid and awesome Chris Torres. Uh, we we have a podcast coming out later this week. We have Scott Merkin coming on to talk White Sox tomorrow, which I'll have to take my blood pressure medicine before I do that for sure. Um, and uh, one, one thing just before I, I sign off, I, MDRC0508 on the X or Twitter, whatever the hell they call it now. Um, I, I just like to say a huge thanks to you, Joe, for having me on and, and consistently having me on. I love coming on with you. You do a great job, but also a huge shout out to Dave and to Justin who, uh, are two guys that have really helped me as I got started uh, writing about three years ago and really allowed me to um, kind of tag along with them and, and be close to them and get some of their expertise. Uh, some of the stuff that David shared with me about fab has been incredibly instructive for me and has helped me become a better player. And Justin is just, a, a, to me, a bulwark of the industry. He's exactly what you would hope that he is. That's exactly who he is in person too. And uh, I can't say enough about both of those guys, Tyler following you, you're doing a great stuff. And Joe, as always, um, you're doing an awesome job as well. I appreciate you having me on. That's half the fun in organizing this thing is you get to put people together and you get to see their interactions and how they gel together. Uh, Mike, I think you're the most frequent guest we I've had on the podcast over the last couple of years. So it's always a great time to have you on and to just kind of get the group dynamic here with everybody. Uh, Dave, Tell us about what's going on in your life. Yeah, well, so first of all, I mean, Mike is just the most likable guy in the industry, period. Like, there's there's no question about that for me. Like, every time I every time I see him at our Glarf draft, I just want to give him a hug. Like, I give Justin a hug, too, but I, I do it differently. Like, I, I, I squeeze the shit out of him and just, like, carry him like a small child. Yeah, which is <laughs> insane. If, if, for those who don't know, Dave is seven foot nine <laughs> and 700 pounds. <laughs> uh slight exaggeration there but uh close enough um but seriously like these guys are all great uh tyler i definitely look forward to getting to know you more too um i've seen you pop up a lot on twitter lately um so love love that you you said it man get it get a microphone and get out there in front of people like everybody just needs to do that you all think like oh we can't do it there's all these other people who are so much better than me trust me just just do it get out there um go out to first pitch arizona meet some people 95% 95% of this community is awesome. Very supportive of each other. Um, you, you know, people like, like Justin and Mike and, and Joe um, and Joe, thank you so much for having the, us on today. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to be here. 
Um, love working with these guys. So I guess the fact that you guys can hear me okay means that maybe Justin and I can record next week. So uh, <laughs> we, might have, uh, we might have friends with fantasy benefits back now. Um, the last time we tried to do it, Justin said he couldn't hear me. So I don't know what that was about, but if we're good to go, then uh, then we'll do that. Justin was wish casting there, but I'm going to have to kick you guys out because we got the next panel here waiting. Uh, but I really appreciate all you guys taking the time out of your busy days to talk some baseball uh, with little old me. But until next time, guys, I uh, really appreciate this. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Peace, guys. <laughs>